course also, people who exude love are apt to give things away. Uh, they are uh, in every way like rivers, they stream. And so when they collect possessions and things that they like, they are apt to give them to other people. Because uh, when you, if you ever notice that when you start giving things away, you keep getting more. In the same way as you empty uh, out, uh, you create a vacuum, nature abhors a vacuum, and more flows in. So, <clears throat> noticing this, the codifiers of loving behavior write down that you uh, should give uh, so much money to uh, tax-deductible institutions and uh, to the poor, and uh, that you should uh, be nice to people, that you should act uh, towards your relatives and your friends and indeed even your enemies as if you love them, even if you don't. And of course, for Christians and Jews and believers in God, there is a peculiarly difficult task enjoined upon us, namely, that thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Not only here, going through the motions of it externally, but with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And that is, of course, very demanding indeed. But you see what is happening. It is as if, for example, <coughs> we admired the music of a certain composer, Having studied his style very thoroughly, we draw up rules of musical composition based on the behavior of this composer. We then go to send our children to music school where they learn these rules in the hope that if they apply them, they also will turn into first-class musicians, which they usually fail to do. Because what might be called the technique of music, as well as the technique of morals, as well as, say, the technique of speech and language, is very valuable because it gives you something to express if, and I repeat, if, you have anything to express. But if you don't, if you don't have anything to say, not even the greatest mastery of English will uh, stand you in good stead unless you can manage to fool your listeners uh, by talking beautiful nonsense and make it sound profound. So the question and the puzzle remains. You cannot imitate this thing. There is no way of getting it. And yet it is absolutely essential that we have it. Because obviously, the human race is not going to flourish harmoniously unless we are enabled to love each other. But uh, the question is, how do you get it? Is it something you simply have to contract like measles? Uh, or is, as theologians say, is it a gift of divine grace, which somehow is dished out to some but not to others? And if there is no way of getting divine grace by anything you do, as the Calvinists were, then uh, we'd better just sit around and wait until something happens. Although Calvinists never did that. They were almost depressingly energetic. But surely, we can't be left in that kind of a hopeless situation. There must be some way of getting the grace, or getting divine charity or love, some sort of wangle, some sort of way in which we can, as it were, open ourselves <coughs> so as to become conduit pipes for the flow. And so, the more subtle preachers try 
to see if we can open ourselves and teach methods of meditation and spiritual discipline in the hope that we can contact this power. The less subtle preachers simply say, uh, you don't have enough faith, you don't have enough guts, you don't have enough willpower. If you only put your wheel, uh, I mean your shoulder to the wheel and shoved, you would be, of course, uh, an exemplar and a saint. Actually, you will only be an extremely clever hypocrite. Uh, the whole history of religion is a history of the failure of preaching. Preaching is uh, moral violence. If you, you know, uh, when you deal with the so-called practical world and people don't behave as you would wish they would, you get out the army or the police force or the big stick and if uh, those strike you as somewhat crude, uh, you resort to giving lectures. <laughs> and I mean lectures in the sense of a pie job, a solemn adjuration and exhortation to behave better next time. Now, let us look at some of the practical consequences of adjuring people and commanding people to love. Many a, a parent says to the child, Nice children love their mothers. And, uh, of course, I'm sure you're a nice child and you ought to love your mother, but not because I, your mother, say so, but because you really want to do so. Because one of the difficulties is none of us in our heart of hearts respect love which is not freely given. If, for example, you are an ailing parent and you need to be looked after and you have a son or daughter, beautifully that they should look after you because after all you've done so much for them. But this somehow your living with your father or mother prevents you from having a home and a life of your own. Naturally you resent this duty and your parent is well aware that you resent it even if they pretend to ignore it. They therefore feel guilty that they have imposed upon your loyalty and you in turn can't really disclose from yourself the fact that you hate them for getting sick even though they couldn't help it. Therefore, nobody enjoys the relationship. It is a painful duty carried out. And the same thing would naturally happen if after a number of years, uh, having at the altar made a solemn and terrible promise that you would love your wife and husband, come what may, forever and ever, till death do you part, and suddenly you find you really haven't the heart in you to do it anymore, then uh, you feel guilty and that you ought to love your wife, uh, family or whatever. And naturally, uh, this is a sort of fiasco, as would be obvious, if you were to ask your wife, do you really love me? And she were to reply, I'm trying very hard to do so. 